This episode of the Folklore Podcast Book Club is an audio version of an episode originally made for YouTube. To see the original with any pictorial references, please visit www.youtube.com slash folklore podcast and click on the book club playlist. Hello and welcome. Today on the Folklore Podcast Book Club, guest book reviewer Charlie Farrow discusses the work The Folklore of Pagamon Sea with author C.M. Rosens. The Folklore of Pagamon Sea is a short companion volume to the paranormal novel The Crows, although the book does stand as well in its own right. It tells the fictional folk tales of Pagamon Sea. Uh, I would like to welcome to the uh, Folklore Podcast Book Club uh, the wonderful author, C.M. Rosens, who turns out is in fact this lovely lady whose name is Mel. Um, <laughs> and I have been sent, and I, I, I shall attempt to get this to, to show up on screen. No, it doesn't want to. Um, the wonderful Folklore of Pagamon Sea, Volume 1, which is a most amazing book and I, I absolutely adore it. It is the most complex world building that I think I've ever seen. Certainly as a standalone that I've ever seen. I mean, I have seen something similar, you know, in terms of the work of Susanna Clarke um, and her amazing The Ladies of Grace of Dew, in which, you know, she has, you know, a professorial introduction and it all sits in, in this wonderful world and there are different stories within it. And the folklore of Pagamonsi in, in many respects is similar to that in the sense that it is a collection of stories. It is the most amazingly put together in the sense that it's, it seems to be quite clear that it's a collection of disparate voices and the, the writing styles we have, we have an academic writing style where some bits are footnoted and uh, other bits are redacted and, and we have the most amazing voice of, of, of these wonderful country folk. I mean, old Josh. Is he old Josh in the beginning? Yeah. Yes, he, he, <laughs> yeah. he, he's just amazing. And, and the, 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 the vocabulary and the language and the dialect of, of the area and so forth, are just so unbelievably real that, and there is a place called Pagham, but which isn't is. Pagham on Sea, which is what I was, <laughs> I was trying to sort of um, imagine if somebody who's from that area actually got hold of one of these and picked it up. And it is so plausible. And they, they would actually think this is a real local folklore collection because it's it, it's just unbelievably plausible. And so I've, I've envisaged this sort of outraged people from 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 Sussex writing in in their, their classic green ink and complaining bitterly that they've been duped, that this, in fact, is the most amazingly complex world building. And I mean, I, I, I just felt that it was quite an extraordinary little little thing. Um, so I wonder whether Melissa would like to tell us more about how that came about. How, 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 why? And who is CM Rosens? You know, come on, tell me about it. Um, okay, so um, CM Rosens is my fictional pen name because I publish um, under my actual name for um, my academic work. And um, 
that's mainly where the academic collection kind of voice comes from and I really like playing with that um, so that's why I have a separate um, pen name for my fiction and I got to change it on zoom before I came into the, oh <laughs> the interview so never mind yeah, so I really enjoy folklore and I, I wanted to create and I, I had this idea for um, a novel and it started off in 2013 and it was just a fun gothic murder mystery kind of story and it wasn't very good. It was just I kind of just bashed it out in a couple of months and put it straight on online. Um, just to see what other people would think of it and quite a lot of people really liked it I thought okay so I came back to it I totally overhauled the plot um, I'd had some more ideas for short stories around the characters and so I realized I'd have I sort of developed it in my head as a whole place and as a whole town um, I was very and I wanted it to be about that which came first was it was it the world building that spawned the novel or did the novel then kind of need to be sort of nestled in in something that had some substance to it yes so i mean the first draft was really just a creepy town and a, a haunted house and you know that sort of that sort of almost agatha christie but a little bit supernatural kind of thing um and i i think i i I wanted it for the no I wanted the novel to be a, a lot more kind of realistic and contemporary gothic I suppose so I had a lot of ideas about the town itself so I thought well I actually have to know what this town is and I want it to be the kind of place where people recognize it I like that supernatural in the mundane kind of um always um I think like Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere and finding yes. magic in um, very and Susanna Clarke as well is a, a big influence and I kind of I, I like the idea of you stepping outside of your house and getting milk and bread and passing other people in town who have a lot going on in their their lives that you don't know about um, some of which is supernatural some of which is not and and all of these different stories that you could tell so it became very much a real place and I wanted you to be able to step into that town and recognize it from somewhere you've been on holiday or somewhere you used to live or that's what I wanted to do I wanted to create a kind of well, a I sense of realness that that works very well within this folk folklore collection because it, you're, you're layering things upon each other so that you know you see the development of the local myths and legends and so forth which I think works incredibly well um you know and as I say as a standalone, it is incredibly plausible. I mean, it really does feel that there is a great deal of wealth of, of time and tale telling and um, the, the sort of changes you get through sort of oral tradition and so forth, where, where the stories get a little bit bent and they get a little bit changed and, you know, and it, it is absolutely fascinating, really. Um, so in terms of the way that it works, I mean, do you see it as a standalone? I mean, or do you feel it, it's odd of me to have been? But I, I was sent. I was sent this rather than the actual no. novel. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did want it as a. I, I sort of published it as a kind of a companion 
um, piece and I thought oh probably no one's going to be interested in it unless you've read the novel um, and there's nothing really to do with the novel in here uh, plot wise it's just kind of I suppose uh, easter eggs or little things that you've uh, places that you meet in the novel are in uh, you know some of which are in here like um, Fairwood House is, is that the name of the, the, the house that is the, the crows title? yes yes yeah um, so you get um, yeah, so, so you get a little bit of that. And um, one of the History Society members, so Harry Bishop, who uh, who published quite a bit on Fairwood House and on um, uh, the, the, the history of the town, um, he's a character in the novel. Oh, I see, right. I did want so, yeah, so there's a little that. bit of a, yeah, and History Society appears in the novel as well. So um, thing is, it's quite yeah. hard to tell what's real and what isn't real. I mean, you've got a, um, a, a, a dialect dictionary in there. Um, which yes, that's real. I'm half imagining that that's actually real. It is real. Right? Yes, it is real. It's the, it's yes. the melding of it together that actually leaves you a little bit sort of, um, I don't know, a little bit destabilised. It's like, where where are my feet? Are they on on on? Quicksand, or are they? Is this, you know, it's just a bit of marsh? Am I going to sort of be gone in a little bit? Because it really feels very, very difficult to tell where, where the where the join is between what you've 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 created in this in your mind as, as this wonderful, wonderful place, um, and where it where the reality actually starts to sort of take take track. I mean, do you have an affinity with the area anyway? I know it's it's a fictional place that's supposedly just down the coast a bit from the pagan that we know um but yeah is it an area that you know i mean why why did you settle on on sussex i don't know i i um i think because i went there on holiday a lot with my grandparents um and i i live in south wales and we come from south wales originally um but i've always liked the the coast i've always been a like a coastal creature <laughs> i suppose um uh, my husband's from the isle of wight um so yeah it's just um it just seemed like the kind of, i think when you um it so pagamon sea um i basically dropped it on top of norman's bay um so <laughs> um my husband actually took me down there for, for my birthday in the middle of january and we, <laughs> we went down to the coast for a walk and it was, uh, and we just sort of looked at all the fields and where the town is definitely not, uh -huh. and sort of <laughs> decided, you know, basically, well, if we if we twist the geography a bit, um, you can imagine, um, you, you know, this is where the 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 train line runs, so that's that's more or less the same. Then there's an imaginary train line that goes to London that just kind of goes around at the top. Is there a sacred well? You... Uh, oh. <laughs> there should be a sacred well and it would be where the parish church was i suppose the original you know 13th century stone parish church which burnt down in the 1980s um or 60s or something um and now they have a nice new building somewhere else but yes um so there probably should be and the barrows as well on barrow field i kind of um dropped them somewhere so the, the, the long barrows don't exist there really but i thought well they ought to well they should if they don't <laughs> yes absolutely um 
Yeah, I, I, I'm so tempted. I really want to read the, the, the Crows very much now because I, I feel like I'm sort of straying into asking you about that, um, which is sort of blindsiding me a little bit because, as I say, I, I was, wasn't given that um, uh, to prepare. Um, but I mean, I mean it, it is fascinating. I mean, do we, do we have, um, you know, in the accompanying novel, do we have that wonderful sort of sense of, um, I don't know, of antiquity, of eeriness and, 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 and being rooted in time that this um, uh, companion volume obviously supports? But I mean, is it there and is it a sort of tactile thing in the book? It, it is a little bit. Um, the house itself, I kind of made a point of saying, well, it's um, it was built on top of a 13th century monastery that was uh, destroyed in the Reformation. And the only part of it that exists still is the crypt. And the crypt was it sort of became the wine cellar for the manor house that was built on top of this site um, by the Sauvant family, who then had, who moved their manor house, the original kind of, so there's an old manor house and there's a new manor house, this is the new manor house. Uh, <laughs> and then it got added to, um, and I based it on quite a number of different houses and national trust properties and things like that. So it's all, it's all plausible. And I'm a medievalist anyway, so I, I, I tend to put medieval stuff in wherever I can. Um, so you've got the idea that it, it, the architecture, the outside of it looks Georgian, um, but inside it's this complete mess of, um, you know, there's a there's an eight, there's a 19th century uh, extension on the back of it. It used to have that Elizabethan E shape, yes, and then it got, you know, and th then it got a new facade, so it became a square with sort of two shorter wings either side, <laughs> and um, it's just been hacked about. <laughs> And then, thing, you know, the gallery turned into a landing and lots of bedrooms and, and you know, d a, a, as different things got built on top of it and different wings came and went and you've got the 1920s greenhouse at the back. And it, it's it's a ruin that um, the main character buys at auction and then restores to uh, sort of its, I suppose, that the way it was in the early 20th century. So still preserving all of this uh, kind of stuff. Um, and that's where the that's where the history of it all comes in. And she's trying to learn the history of the house. And is it cursed and all the rumours of it being where did the curse come from? And nobody agrees. And she hears so many different stories of who so cursed it, it, why it was cursed. Yes, is it so. haunted, who it's haunted by? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. all these layers are, are, are very much integral to the book. Oh, that, I'm, I'm so glad. I can't wait to read it, actually. It sounds so good. <laughs> no, it really, really does. And funny enough, I, when I was learning, reading about, um, uh, who was he, Sir Peter Sauvon, um, I was thinking, yeah. oh, is he some kind of proto-Gerald Gardner, you know, the chap who invented Wicker? Or is he, you know, is, yes. he, he sort of seems... Yes. Kind of, does that make sense? Does that sort of chime yes. with Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Peter Sauvon is one of the... Um, uh, sort of the yeah so the baronets i think they're, i think they're baronets and they they um he's he's very interested in the occult um and the whole family i kind of based them on um uh the morgans of tradiga house um so which is my my nearest when i was growing up in newport near newport um tradiga house was my 
my local kind of big stately home. So I, I used to do the, all of the tours and hear all the colourful stories okay. about that family. And um, so yeah, so Peter Savant is is the is the token occultist, if you like, who yeah, yeah, um, yeah. picks off this this real interest in. Um, and I, I like I like weird fiction, and I like. Um, uh, so, so the crows is also a bit of weird fiction it's there's um there's a lot of eldritch stuff going on in there as well so it's not just um <laughs> natural hauntings and things yeah. um there's also tentacles and <laughs> various things from other realms so yeah um <laughs> yes um so that there's there's that um but i kind of like the idea of parodying lovecraft and and yeah. um which is what that story is uh, about. And I quite like the, just the, the general nuttiness of um, the aristocracy when they get hold of classical texts and go, ooh, <laughs> what can we do with this? This folklore collection, um, is, it, it, they're only little, little snippets. It's, it's quite short. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I've got an ebook of it, but I believe it's forty-seven pages. Is it in in print form? Uh, something like that. So it's, it's quite doesn't like that. Yeah. But, but the stories are remarkably. Um, I don't know. I keep saying the word plausible, but the voices that you've managed to create that are disparate voices for each of the styles, and not just the voices, but the the, the layers of voices that the stories that have been collected. But the, the the collector has either altered them or recorded the the voice, and it is absolutely fascinating. Um, and I'm really sort of thrilled. I want to sort of find out more about these people. I'm, I'm, I may be disappointed if, if some of them don't end up in, in the, in, it turn out to be in the crows. Um, but, <laughs> but this whole notion of these lovely voices and, and who are these people. And the thing is, I'm, I'm so curious about it, is you seem to have done it to yourself as well. Um, so yes. you know, who is C.M. Rosens when he or she is at home? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, have you created a, I mean, clearly there's a certain amount of persona there because C.M. Rosens is credited at the, at the beginning of the folklore collection with being a member of the historical society of Pagamon Sea, which obviously is fictional. Um, but have you sort of created a, a world for, for C.M. Rosens? I mean, are you, do you, do you have a, I don't know, a... a, a uh, yeah. It, uh, um, so C.M. Rosens doesn't exist in the novel, apart from being the author of the novel, which is also me. Um, <laughs> but um, I thought it would be really fun to do a sort of layered thing where, I mean, C.M. Rosens is my fictional persona anyway. So it makes sense for just to take that step further and make her an actual well, because I didn't know whether Sam <laughs> Rosen was going to be a man or a woman, you know, and it, so I thought that was quite enigmatic in itself. That the the initials yeah. leave you, you know, oh, could be, you know, yeah. Could be there, I mean, I, I I don't think I'm going to specify uh, what that person who or who who that persona yeah. is, um, yeah. but um, I quite like the idea of. Um, C.M. Rosen's being a being a, his, a, a history society member, and I I love the the idea of, you know, it being um, uh, a way of collecting information and a way of collecting and editing uh, things about the town, 
and just making that a little bit more real. Put yourself in your own book. You know, I think think it's absolutely fascinating. I really, really enjoyed it, actually. To be honest, it was was much more interesting than I thought it was going to be. And when I realised yeah. that it was this complex world building, because I'd heard of Pagham, you know, I'd been there on holidays, a big bay there, and, you know, and I, I thought, oh, yeah, well, I know about that, you know, and I didn't know um, that it was going to be, you know, this, this incredibly complex building of worlds. And, you know, I, I, I'm hoping, because it's volume one, that there are going to be more. Is that something yes. on the cards? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I've so I did a little bit of a mix of things with this one so this I I did chronologically so you've got this um, extract from one of Harry Bishop's history books about the town which is published by the also fictional uh, University of Basingstoke Press. (laughs) (laughs) Needs a university. (laughs) Um, Yeah so this is um, part of my my husband's world building with a band that he was in um so i'm plugging the thrusting sensations which are on spotify (laughs) yeah (laughs) and what kind of music do the thrusting sensations perform um if you look it's they do sort of um (laughs) uh it's more kind of i don't know like folk rock ballads that they've invented (laughs) and um so this is this is all his fault really so um, he has various personas that are fictional to other personas oh, right. in this kind of very Russian doll nested universe. That... Absolutely good way of describing it. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's uh, and I borrowed the University of Basingstoke uh, Press from from that world really? with permission. So that's we're doing funny. a little bit of a crossover. <laughs> yeah, um, that sounds and, fantastic. Uh, I would have to go and yeah. look up the thrusting sensations because they sound great too. So I can just uh, see them on yeah. the posters, you know. <laughs> oh, really, the thrusting sensations, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, great. So um, is there a, a, a second novel on, on, on the cards at all? There is. It's a lot more weird uh, fiction than gothic, I think. Um, it's um, chronologically about eight months after the events of the first one and it follows a particular family that you meet the porters um who are instrumental as antagonists in the first book i suppose um and there's a bit of discussion as to whether one of the characters uh, ricky porter is um the main antagonist of the crows or not because he's actually trying to help <laughs> But he's so the, the closest we can come is he's the anti-villain. Um, so he, <laughs> um, and, and it's it's his cousins and him interacting in the in the second novel. So I can't really say more than that without explain without going very very off track. And is that um, it's coming in the near future, or is that sort of something? January, that's yeah, that January twenty twenty one. I think mm-hmm. if I can if I can get it, yeah. If if the if I get all my edits and things back by then, but I, I'm in the stages of revising it at the moment. So well, my mission is now to read the crows, and I'm rather hoping that they'll let me review the crows for the folklore podcast book club um because that would make a great deal of sense to, to sort of um take it to the kind of next stage i, I can't wait to read it um oh, thank you so 
anyway, I, I think we've probably been about our allotted half hour. Um, yep. So, Paul, <laughs> it's been so lovely to meet you. And um, I've it's been great to meet you too. Love your world. Anyway, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there will be more of it. Bye bye. Thank you. <laughs>